What is up, guys? This is Scott from Iron Legion. This is episode number 308 of the Not Born This Way podcast, official podcast of the Iron Legion Strength Company and Not Born This Way Apparel. All right, guys, so uh, if you are waiting on apparel, well, hopefully you've all received your apparel by now. Uh, if you, you may or may not know, the apparel uh, side of the company has been down for a little bit because I needed to find a new printing shipping solution um so i have found one uh we're actually talking today uh about finalizing the new website and getting everything ready to go so you should be able to order uh not born this way stuff uh, again pretty soon so obviously if you're following me on any of the socials you'll know about it as soon as it's possible but i would expect it uh, up and running within a week or two um so one of the things i talked about in my coaching group today and what i love about coaching is, uh, you know, we, we, what we coach in the group is success. You know, I'm not going to put any kind of label. It's not a business group. It's not a, a personal development group. It's a little bit of everything, right? But in my opinion, it's about success. And what I love about success is that success, success principles uh, tend to like cross over easily from different disciplines, right? So, like what makes someone successful in athletics uh, are generally very similar to the things that make people successful in business. Uh, the things that make people successful in business cross over and are uh, the same principles that make someone successful in their personal endeavors. So a lot of the, the things cross over, which is I think why, uh, you know, as humans, we kind of love sport and athletics so much because it. It's like this little microcosm of of life and challenge and overcoming and all the stuff that we uh, we just innately love, right? So we know that we're you've kind of drawn to to do these things because we we love watching these things, we love being involved in these things. If you give um, you know, people are just naturally competitive, right? If you watch kids playing, they're going to see who can jump the farthest. They're going to naturally decide to race each other and climb the highest. Like, it's just part of uh, part of human nature to overcome and, and to compete. So what I want to talk about today is um, tell you the story of a, a gentleman named Ronnie Coleman. Uh, Ronnie Coleman, also known as the King was a professional bodybuilder, is a professional bodybuilder, retired, who uh, ultimately became known for, uh, I believe he still has this, now this might have been overtaken by somebody recently, but the most professional wins as a bodybuilder. Uh, He also won the most prestigious bodybuilding contest in the world is the Mr. Olympia. That is literally the best bodybuilder in the world. He won that, I believe, eight times in a row. Um, and is widely regarded as arguably one of the best Mr. Olympias uh, in history of all time. So you're talking about, I, I don't know how many, maybe 10 to 15 people have ever been Mr. Olympia. And he's one of the top three of those people. So imagine the creme de la creme that this guy is, right? Now, the neat the neat part about this, and why I wanted to tell you Ronnie's story, is that uh, Ronnie has also um, arguably got the best God-given genetics for bodybuilding, right? So what that means is he has a big 
predisposition to being able to, de to develop uh, very large and strong muscles. So as you know, just from being a, even if you're not a bodybuilder or into weightlifting or anything, just by looking around at the playground or when your kids are at the pool or at the lake, it's pretty easy to see from an early age uh, how big of a deal genetics are, right? You'll, you'll see kids who are 10, 12 years old who are extremely lean, like so lean you can see every muscle in their body. You'll see others that seem to already have a, a relatively high uh, level of body fat. Uh, you'll see some that are maybe not as lean, but super muscular, like bulging with muscles already at 10, 11, 12 years old. You'll see others that you, you, you can barely find one on their body at all. So imagine, you know, as these kids grow up into adults, um, depending on their lifestyle, their exercise habits, obviously, and all that. But even if all those things were the same, at 20, you're going to see a very, very big difference between all their physiques. So when we say someone's genetically gifted, that's someone that's kind of naturally got muscles. Like you've seen these people that don't even, they may play a sport that doesn't require a lot of, uh, you know, back in the day, baseball or basketball, people didn't really weight train or strength train for them. So let's say you'd see a basketball player back in the day who was just jacked. And he didn't even really do anything to be jacked, right? Versus uh, another guy who might spend all the time in the gym lifting, eating, trying to get big muscles and, and is, you know, a little bit built. But then there's someone that, like, literally does nothing and is super jacked. That's genetics, right? The guy that tries deadlifting for the first time and does 315, 400 pounds where someone else has been training their whole life um, well and, and, and properly and that might be a lifetime PR, right? So there's always a genetic advantage to uh, just about everything, right? So that to me is like your, your starting point. Like Ronnie Coleman had a big head start to, to somebody else who's of more, uh, you know, normal average genetics, okay? So some, <laughs> every professional bodybuilder at the Mr. Olympia level has incredible genetics, more so than the average person, more so than me, more so than somebody who's uh, less genetically muscular than me. But uh, among them, even Ronnie was gifted, right? So uh, I believe he played sports in high school and uh, was a police officer at a pretty young age. And somebody noticed him at the gym and offered him a free membership to his gym if he would allow him to train him for, I believe it was like the Mr. Texas contest. So he noticed that he had these great genetics and he, and he knew he could make the, the, the owner of the gym who was an amateur bodybuilder himself had a feeling he could make something out of Ronnie as a bodybuilder. So he said, hey, I'll give you a free membership. Let me train you for Mr. Texas. So he trains him for Mr. Texas, Ronnie wins. Uh, you know, not surprising. So a state, you know, a state level contest uh, with had, had phenomenal genetics and some knowledge behind his training wins Mr. Texas. So he goes on in relatively rapid succession over the next few years to start winning bigger and bigger local uh, amateur contests, right? So not, not, not necessarily local, sorry, like just amateur contests. So he wins Mr. Texas. He wins like a, a regional contest next. The following year he goes to... Let's say, I'm, I'm not exactly sure of these, but you'll get the idea. He goes to like the junior nationals, wins that, 
goes to the Nationals, wins that, wins like Mr. Universe. Like, so he's in the next like five or six years, let's say, he wins the most prestigious uh, amateur contests you could win. So this guy's on course to become one of the best bodybuilders of all time, obviously. Okay. So here's where it gets interesting, right? So then Ronnie turns pro. And when he turns professional, uh, his first crack at the Mr. Olympia contest, I'm not sure what you have to, you have to win or, or place well in some of the pro contests to be invited to Mr. Olympia. So I think he did that. I don't have that in front of me, but his first Mr. Olympia contest in 1992, uh, he didn't even place. So I think they place, I may be wrong about this. I think if let's, let's say there's 30 guys invited to the contest. I think they place the top 15. So if you place out of the top 15, you don't even get a placing. So they don't they don't place 16, 17, 18, 19. It's like they pick the top 15 and everybody else is considered did not place. So in 92, he did not place. So he is like beneath 50 percentile, right? Um, I think he skipped the contest in 93, comes back in 94 places 15th so again if if there's 30 guys in the contest which i think probably around the number he's he's in the middle like literally in the middle okay so this guy who has been destroying all the amateur competition and kicking ass uh now gets into the pro ranks where he's now running into other guys who have these tremendous genetics and now all of a sudden his meteoric rise is coming to a little bit of a slowdown, right? Because now he's like, oh shit, we're on the same playing field here, right? His his genetic gifts uh, could only carry him so far, right? Now he's running into other guys with very similar genetic gifts, okay? And he's getting he's getting his butt kicked, honestly. Comes back in '95, places tenth, so he's moving in the right direction, right? But uh, still, nobody's threatened by him. Nobody's thinking he's going to become Mr. Olympia. I mean, when you're 10th in the Mr. Olympia, and I take this from somebody who was a fan for years, uh, nobody really even knows. Like, I, I don't even know anybody outside the top six, probably, right, when it comes down to Mr. Olympia. So 10th is like nothing. Think about when you watch the Olympics. Uh, you're looking at gold, bronze, silver, right? Uh, anybody who's not gold, silver, or bronze, you, you don't know who plays sixth at the Olympics. Even though that person is a tremendous competitor in the big picture, uh, they're irrelevant if they're not on the platform, right? Or the podium, whatever they call it. So uh, Coleman now goes to 96 Olympia and places sixth. So now he's getting there. But I mean, this is now four years as a pro, and he's really not doing a whole lot. Comes back in 97, he's back down to ninth. So now he's moving in the wrong direction. So I can only imagine how kind of discouraged he must feel, right, with this slow climb, and then now he's moving backwards, okay? This is where I think a lot of people would probably bail, right? A lot of people would say, hey, because first of all, he's been spoiled with all these wins, like just just crushing everyone as an amateur so he's got this level of confidence that now must be completely deflated um he's not showing signs of uh you know the next 
the next champ or the future champ or this big gift. Um, he's just an average pro bodybuilder who's crawling, clawing his way to the top, and now he's going backwards. Right now he's placing ninth after placing sixth. So I think a lot of people would have just uh, said, you know what, man, it's not in the cards for me. Uh, he had a career as a police officer still for most of this time, I believe. Um, so this wasn't like he need his own, all his eggs weren't in one basket. You know, he was doing his cop thing. He could have just uh, easily done that. But what Ronnie did is what is the decision that everyone has to make. Am I going to throw in the towel and give up or am I going to really double down on my efforts? So what Ronnie did then is he take a good hard look at his training, at his nutrition, at his program in general, and, and decide, am I really giving it my all, right? If I look at what the other top pro bodybuilders are doing, am I doing that? Am I training with that intensity? Am I training that consistently? Am I eating the same way? Am I doing everything these other guys are doing? And what he realizes is he was not. He was not. So he knew he wasn't living up to his potential. He was still getting by on some genetics. Uh, if you if you see his training videos, which are when he became Mr. Olympia, he's one of the hardest training bodybuilders on the planet. But I'm not sure if that's how he trained all the time or that's just what happened when the switch flipped. But either way, in that year, right, 1997, when he placed ninth, something changed in his brain that said, I'm going to now go all in. I'm going to put it all on the table. I'm going to stop holding back. I'm going to stop riding by on my genetics. I'm going to do everything everyone else is doing 100%. And then let's see what happens. Comes back to win the Olympia next year from ninth to first. uh, Blowing out some of the people who are expected to win. And then goes on to win eight in a row. Um, I think only two or three Olympias have, Mr. Olympias have won that many uh, Olympias in a row. So he becomes one of the most highly respected, most winning bodybuilders of all time after a five or six year run of, you know, kind of a mediocre pro career, right? Coming off of also a tremendous amateur career. So the reason I'm sharing this story is because I think for a lot of us, uh, we're going to experience similar trajectories in our success. So let's think if let's say if we're looking at business, right? What happens sometimes is you, in the beginning, you might be the young Ronnie Coleman amateur. So you get inspired, you start your business, right, or your your thing. You get it going. And you see some immediate success because you are passionate about the project, the business. You are intelligent and talented. Um, and you kick ass, right? So for the first couple years, um, your business is killing it. You're killing it. And all is going well. But as you now start to grow this business, this project, and you start to kind of step into the next level of competition, let's say, right? Because to succeed in the beginning, you're just like, I just want to like open my doors and start selling stuff, right? Whatever whatever it is, right? That's a success right there. Just, Just opening the door. Like most people don't even actually open the business, right? Or write the book or whatever. 
So now you've got the business open and it's operating and you're doing, you're making some money, right? So this is like that amateur career, like you're doing well, but now you want to take it into like a real thing. I want to turn this into a real company. I want to have people that I employ. I want to grow this to another location. I want to grow this to the point where I can um, work less and have more freedom. All the things we talk about a lot, right? I want to, I want to um, help more people. I want to take it to the next level. And sometimes this is where we hit that flat line that Ronnie ran into at the pro level. Now you're running into competition of other businesses doing the same thing who are equally intelligent and motivated and talented as you, right? Um, you're, you're running into the challenges that come with growth, right? You're running into, oh, I have to hire people now. I have to start paying for advertising now. I have to find a bigger location now. I have to start cold calling now. Like you're going to start realizing there's other things that you weren't doing, right? So Ronnie might have gotten by, and I, I again, I'm going to make this up, but I know this for a fact for some bodybuilders, myself included at one point. He, he with those kind of genetics, right? And muscle mass. He, he could have probably won his early contests with not a ton of attention to his diet, right? When these guys are naturally jacked and lean, I've literally seen guys that look like pro bodybuilders eating McDonald's, okay? So he probably got away with eating, you know, pretty well and winning Mr. Texas and winning the, winning the Mr. Universe. But when he realized he's going up against other guys with the same genetics, Flex Wheeler, Dorian Yates and so forth. Now he's got to eat like they are, which is completely on point and difficult, right? So again, similar to the, um, we got by with our first business on just our hustle and our intelligence and our cool products or our great service. But now as we want to go to the next level, we have to add in building a team. We have to add in actually learning marketing. We have to add in uh, how to scale, okay? And uh, we might not know how to do that. So we might not be uh, willing or knowledgeable about that aspect of it. Now, here's where I think is interesting. So we also find sometimes that when we get stuck at these levels, it's because we have gotten to this point, right, by, again, our, we're intelligent, we have a good idea, um, we've got some hustle behind us, but we're not giving 100%. We are, like, getting by, again, on genetics, right? We're getting by on our gifts, but we're not really, really killing it in every area. We're not firing on all cylinders. Uh, we're just kind of... Uh, doing pretty well. When we want to do extremely well, right? And again, we're going to use the uh, metaphors here. We want to win the Olympia now, right? We have to do everything extremely well. We have to go all in. We have to do all the things. So sometimes some of those things are the things that we really detest. The things that we've told ourselves we're not good at. The things that we've told ourselves we don't like. And we've gotten away without doing it, right? So let's just say it's cold calling. Right? We don't like calling people. We don't like feeling salesy. We don't like uh, social media. So we don't do it. 
and we've done pretty well without it. But we're not going to win the Mr. Olympia. You know, uh, if Ronnie was getting by on, um, you know, eating uh, his chicken, uh, you know, breaded and uh, with hot sauce, and then he finds out that Mr. Olympia competitors all eat it boiled and plain, uh, he's going to have to go eat it boiled and plain. But he doesn't want to because he didn't like it that way. So he's gotten through Texas level eating it fried. Um, that's us sometimes, right? We don't like social media. We don't want to put ourselves out there on video. So we don't do it. And we've gotten pretty successful without it. So we're like, hey, I don't need it. But we do. We do need it if we wanted to go to the level that we actually want. But we've convinced ourselves that we're not people that do videos, that we're not people that do social media, that we don't need to spend money on marketing, right? So what I would ask of you is to sit down and say how much, like for what I'm trying to accomplish, now this might be your own workout program, this might be your business, this might be your, your book that you're trying to write, whatever it is. I, w- I really want you to sit down and think how how hard am I really, like, am I really giving my all 100%? Am I really doing everything, no stone unturned, to succeed at this thing? And I would bet you that the answer is probably no. Then what I want you to look at is say, where am I leaving? What am I leaving on the table? Again, if you're, if you're Ronnie Coleman, where am I phoning it in? Where am I not really doing it? So maybe he says, you know what? I'm actually not doing cardio. I've been able to get by on my genetics and I don't do a lot of cardio, but all the other guys are doing cardio. So he has to add that in. Hey, I've been eating three meals a day, but the other guys eat six. Uh, I've been eating my chicken fried, but I really need to eat it boiled. Like, what are you doing for your project, for your business, for your workout that's like that? right? You're like, hey, I've been growing my business pretty well without videos, without social media, without spending money on advertising, without hiring somebody, right? Like you can't get to that level without having a team. You're going to have to hire someone. You're going to have to learn how to train people and grow a team. My success in any, any area has only been because I've been able to build a team and have people help me. Um, Without that, I'd still be training people all day um, and stuck, right? So that was uncomfortable for me in the beginning, learning how to be someone's uh, a leader, learning how to hire people, like learning how to do all that stuff is a skill set that uh, has to be learned, right? So what are you not doing that you feel like you should be doing and aren't, right? Be honest with yourself. Like you really have to look and say, okay, you know what? I know that I'm only giving 60% because to be at the level I want, I should be doing this, this, and this, and I'm not, right? It takes it takes real brutal honesty to be able to look and see what you should be doing and you're not, and then do it. But the beautiful thing about this is this change can happen in an instant. Like, like, like he was floundering as a pro for like six years and then flipped the switch one year and and began his winning streak of eight right so for a lot of you guys i think you know we're in this we're in this ronnie coleman's pro career which we have the potential to kill it 
and we've gotten this far, but we've kind of flatlined because we've been getting by on our good idea, our personality, our intelligence, our uh, hard work-ish to this point, but we know we're not really giving it everything we're capable of. And when we flip that switch and we decide to do that and commit and go all in and do all the things, that's when we achieve uh, complete success. All right, guys, I'm out. If you are interested in uh, the coaching group, uh, this is the stuff we talk about uh, every week. And uh, you can check it out at adaptovercomeevolve.com. Uh, adaptovercomeevolve.com. You can sign up right there if you want. And uh, we do this, uh, we do these live calls like this every week. Um, all right, guys, have a great day. Talk to you soon. Peace.